Book One, Chapter Seventeen of My Antonia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Stephanie Dupal de Martin. My Antonia by Willa Cather. Book One, The Shimerdas, Chapter Seventeen. When spring came after that hard winter, one could not get enough of the nimble air. Every morning I wakened with a fresh consciousness that winter was over. There were none of the signs of spring for which I used to watch in Virginia. No budding woods or blooming gardens. There was only spring itself, the throb of it, the light restlessness, the vital essence of it everywhere, in the sky, in the swift clouds, in the pale sunshine, in the warm high wind, rising suddenly, sinking suddenly, impulsive and playful like a big puppy that pawed you and then lay down to be petted. If I had been tossed down blindfold on that red prairie, I should have known that it was spring. Everywhere now there was the smell of burning grass. Our neighbors burnt off their pasture before the new grass made a start, so that the fresh growth would not be mixed with the dead stand of last year. Those light, swift fires running about the country seemed a part of the same kindling that was in the air. The Shimerdas were in their new log-house by then. The neighbors had helped them to build it in March. It stood directly in front of their old cave, which they used as a cellar. The family were now fairly equipped to begin their struggle with the soil. They had four comfortable rooms to live in, a new windmill, bought on credit, a chicken house and poultry. Mrs. Shimerda had paid Grandfather ten dollars for a milk cow, and was to give him fifteen more as soon as they harvested their first crop. When I rode up to the Shimerdas one bright windy afternoon in April, Yulka ran out to meet me. It was to her now that I gave reading lessons. Antonia was busy with other things. I tied my pony and went into the kitchen where Mrs. Shimerda was baking bread, chewing poppy seeds as she worked. By this time she could speak enough English to ask me a great many questions about what our men were doing in the fields. She seemed to think that my elders withheld helpful information, and that from me she might get valuable secrets. On this occasion she asked me very craftily when Grandfather expected to begin planting corn. I told her, adding that he thought we should have a dry spring, and that the corn would not be held back by too much rain, as it had been last year. She gave me a shrewd glance. He not Jesus, she blustered. He not know about the wet and the dry. I did not answer her. What was the use? As I sat waiting for the hour when Ambrosch and Antonia would return from the fields, I watched Mrs. Shimerda at her work. She took from the oven a coffee cake which she wanted to keep warm for supper, and wrapped it in a quilt stuffed with feathers. I have seen her put even a roast goose in this quilt to keep it hot. When the neighbors were there building the new house, they saw her do this, and the story got abroad that the Shimerdas kept their food in their feather beds. When the sun was dropping low, Antonia came up the big south draw with her team. How much older she had grown in eight months! She had come to us a child, and now she was a tall, strong young girl, although her fifteenth birthday had just slipped by. I ran out and met her as she brought her horses up to the windmill to water them. She wore the boots her father had so thoughtfully taken off before he shot himself, and his old fur cap, her outgrown cotton dress switched about her calves, over the boot tops. She kept her sleeves rolled up all day, and her arms and throat were burned as brown as a sailor's. Her neck came up strongly out of her shoulders, like the bowl of a tree out of the turf. One sees that draft-horse neck among the peasant women in all old countries. She greeted me gaily, and began at once to tell me how much ploughing she had done that day. 
Ambrose, she said, was on the north quarter, breaking sod with the oxen. Jim, you ask Jake how much he ploughed today. I don't want that Jake get more done in one day than me. I want we have very much corn this fall. While the horses drew in the water and nosed each other, and then drank again, Antonia sat down on the windmill step and rested her head on her hand. You see the big prayer fire from your place last night? I hope your grandpa ain't lose no stacks? No, we didn't. I came to ask you something, Tony. Grandmother wants to know if you can't go to the term of school that begins next week over at the sod schoolhouse. She says there's a good teacher, and you'd learn a lot. Antonia stood up, lifting and dropping her shoulders as if they were stiff. I ain't got time to learn. I can walk like man's now. My mother can't say no more how Ambrosch do all and nobody to help him. I can work as much as him. School is all right for little boys. I help make this land one good farm. She clucked to her team and started for the barn. I walked beside her, feeling vexed. Was she going to grow up boastful like her mother, I wondered? Before I reached the stable, I felt something tense in her silence, and glancing up, I saw that she was crying. She turned her face from me and looked off at the red streak of dying light over the dark prairie. I climbed up into the loft and threw down the hay for her, while she unharnessed her team. We walked slowly back toward the house. Ambrosch had come in from the north quarter and was watering his oxen at the tank. Antonia took my hand. Sometime you will tell me all those nice things you learn at the school, won't you, Jimmy? She asked with a sudden rush of feeling in her voice. My father, he went much to school. He know a, a great deal how to make the fine cloth like what you not got here. Play horn and violin, and he read so many books that the priest in Bohemi came to talk to him. You won't forget my father, Jim. No, I said. I will never forget him. Mrs. Shimerda asked me to stay for supper. After Ambrosch and Antonia had washed the field dust from their hands and faces at the wash basin by the kitchen door, we sat down at the oilcloth-covered table. Mrs. Shimerda ladled meal mush out of an iron pot and poured milk on it. After the mush we had fresh bread and sorghum molasses and coffee with the cake that had been kept warm in the feathers. Antonia and Ambrosch were talking in Bohemian, disputing about which of them had done more plowing that day. Mrs. Shimerda egged them on, chuckling while she gobbled her food. Presently Ambrosch said suddenly in English, you take them ox tomorrow and try the sod plow. Then you not be so smart. His sister laughed. Don't be mad. I know it's awful hard work for break sod. I milk the cow for you tomorrow if you want. Mrs. Shimerda turned quickly to me. That cow not give so much milk like what your grandpa say. If he make talk about fifteen dollars, I send him back the cow. He doesn't talk about the fifteen dollars, I exclaim indignantly. He doesn't find fault with people. He say I break his saw when we build, and I never, grumbled Ambrosch. I knew he had broken the saw, and then hid it and lied about it. I began to wish I had not stayed for supper. Everything was disagreeable to me. Antonia ate so noisily now, like a man, and she yawned often at the table and kept stretching her arms over her head as if they ached. Grandmother had said, Heavy field work will spoil that girl. She'll lose all her nice ways and get rough ones. She had lost them already. After supper, I rode home through the sad, soft spring twilight. Since winter, I had seen very little of Antonia. She was out in the fields from sun up until sundown. 
If I rode over to see her where she was plowing, she stopped at the end of a row to chop for a moment, then gripped her plow handles, plucked her team, and waded on down the furrow, making me feel that she was now grown up and had no time for me. On Sundays she helped her mother make garden or sewed all day. Grandfather was pleased with Antonia. When he complained of her, he only smiled and said, She will help some fellow get ahead in the world. Nowadays Tony could talk of nothing but the prices of things, or how much she could lift and endure. She was too proud of her strength. I knew, too, that Ambrosch put upon her some chores a girl ought not to do, and that the farmhands around the country joked in a nasty way about it. Whenever I saw her come up the furrow, shouting to her beasts, sunburned, sweaty, her dress open at the neck, and her throat and chest dust-plattered, I used to think of a tone in which poor Mr. Shimerda, who could say so little, yet managed to say so much when he exclaimed, My Antonia! End of chapter 17 Recording by Stephanie Dupal de Martin